Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 29. We have a full house this week. We have myself, Sarah, Mark, and Gladys. We also have a guest, Minnie Walia, and she's here to talk to us about Azure Data Explorer. But before we get to Minnie, uh, let's take a moment and go through the news. Mark, why don't you kick us off? First thing is the long-awaited and <laughs> took a lot of work um, cyber reference architecture. The Microsoft Cyber Reference Architecture, affectionately known as MCRA, um, is out. It's released. So AKMS slash MCRA is out. Um, so it's got the original capability one that everybody's sort of familiar with, um, or many people are. We had like 80,000, 90,000 downloads of the last version, so plenty. But we also added um, pretty much all of the sort of dense, complex, bring it all together uh, diagrams. So, you know, Azure Security uh, native controls, like what are the stuff that's built into Azure into our cloud that you can use to protect your Azure end to end, everything from the user accounts to the devices to the backend resources to the apps to the IoT and OT devices that connect to it. Um, so we've got that. We've got security operations or SOC reference architecture, um, zero trust user access. We got some kill chain stuff in there. We've got a people diagram. So, um, you know, how uh, the roles and responsibilities fit within uh, an organization and, and kind of work together and, you know, what are the jobs to be done. Um, and a whole lot of zero trust stuff and some other security operations and threat intelligence. So pretty much um, kind of a best of cornucopia of, of, uh, of technical goodness. And so that one is it's out there. It's available, ready for download. Love to get any feedback on it. So you know, hit me up on the socials or whatever for that. Second one is, you know, because that's the, the reference architecture gives a nice kind of architectural level view, you know, kind of middle of the uh, security org from a, from a top bottom perspective. And then we realize that a lot of organizations are kind of looking for guidance um, sort of from a top down perspective and, and how do you organize your program and set up goals and metrics and budgets and all that kind of good stuff. And also how to inter, uh, interact with the business. And so what we did in our cloud adoption framework was we added a secure methodology. And so um, just like we have you know, strategy, plan, build, manage, organize, et cetera, we now have secure. Um, so as organizations go to the cloud, you know, this is now a native component of it. That this is how to do the security part. Um, and so you know, we cover a, a lot of stuff in there. Um, there's kind of like a, a top half of it, which is the you know, risk insights and how do you align to the, to the business and the initiatives and the priorities and the risk registers and uh, language and prioritization of risk. And then security integration, kind of how do you do that deeper in the org? Um, business resilience and how to think about that. So these are the things that essentially security provides to the business and, and what the business should expect of, you know, sort of the CISO and team. And then we also have kind of the, 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 the bottom half or the lower half uh, that's focused on the security disciplines. And uh, we, we, uh, we aligned it to, um, to NIST, um, but a little bit more closely actually to the open group um, uh, where we wanted to have like really actionable specific disciplines that are both familiar, but also push the organization into the future. And so access control is the first one, and that's really where networking and identity really need to come together. Not that sometimes they're on the same page, but oftentimes not in an organization, but really to kind of have this sort of end-to-end -end view of how do we actually provide access in this age of cloud. Security operations, how do you handle the incidents that are coming in, the active realized risks. Asset protection, how do you think about this in sort of a dynamic environment with you know things popping up and infrastructure as code all the time, new services, new SaaS uh, apps. So how do you really think about that and do it right? 
security governance and we kind of made governance kind of fun and i know it's a little crazy to say that but we we did kind of you know help bridge it to the business um talked about how to deal with like continuous change um and what are the kind of key hallmarks of success there and kind of how to think about that program and then uh we also have innovation security which is really getting into the DevSecOps space and you know what does good look like there and and there's you know some cultural elements to it and there's some technical elements to it and some process uh pieces so um definitely check out the calf secure stuff um links are both can be in the show notes okay so time for some news from me i'm gonna go for not my my uh baby just to start with by the way i've now been having some emails from some of the people out there in the big wide world actually referring to sentinel as my baby in emails which i find hugely amusing and thank you very much and i should probably stop referring to it as such though <laughs> anyway let's talk about azure security center so there's um, some cool things that have come into preview and ga this month so uh, for a start we've got a new resource health page that's in preview um so that's not something uh, that's something that we've had before but now it's much prettier it has a, a, a nicer view so go and check it out if you're using azure security center um, and and if you're using azure defender you can also now see on one page, the outstanding security alerts, which is pretty neat. Um, the other thing that uh, in preview is using Azure Defender for Kubernetes. Um, now that's been around for a while, but now you can use it to protect hybrid and multi-cloud Kubernetes deployments before it was just using um, AKS. So if you've got um, Kubernetes running in another cloud or you have it maybe on-prem, I mean, you could have it on-prem, I guess. Um, uh, you can now, uh, using Azure Arc, actually have that protected with Azure Defender. So again, very cool. We've also got some more recommendations around um, Azure Defender for DNS and Resource Manager. So um, if you're using Azure DNS, um, we've now got Azure Defender um, for DNS and we've got Azure Defender for Resource Manager. So of course, if you're using Azure Defender, um, go and look at turning it on. Um, there are there are charges, so do have a look. Um, I think it's always important to say that. Something else that's just um, cool for my part of the world is that they've also added some new regulatory compliance standards into um, Security mm -hmm. Center. So if you're unfamiliar with this pre feature, it basically allows Security Center will rate um, the infrastructure that it has services it's tracking. It will rate it against regulatory compliance standards. So we've had a lot of ones unsurprisingly focus on the US and Europe to start with. So NIST, uh, we've got HIPAA, etc. Um, but just yay for my part of the world, they've now added the New Zealand ISM, the Information Security Manual. So for those of you in New Zealand, uh, you can now go and rate things against uh, that government standard. Um, also, just because um, I'm focusing way too much on New Zealand, uh, we've also got the Azure CIS, the Center for Internet Security Benchmarks, and CMMC Level 3. Um, that's probably uh, my interesting things um, for Security Center. Um, so moving on to another thing that I'm a big fan of is AKS. So um, AKS um, now has support for the secret store CSI that's gone into public preview. So that means that if you're using uh, a container storage interface driver, you can mount secrets, keys, and certs. Um, uh, 
stored in your secret stores into your pod as a CSI volume. So that just basically means that it's going to make your secure access um, to secrets much, much, much more straightforward. Um, and you can do it via the containers file system. And then we've got to go on to, of course, my baby. Something that one of our colleagues here in Microsoft has has created is um, the Azure Sentinel SOC process framework, and that's been created by Rin. Now, he's actually going to come, um, he's going to be a guest on the podcast um, to talk about this in lots of detail in a few episodes time, but um, definitely go and check out what he's done. Um, he's basically created this whole SOC process framework workbook that will show you what you're doing, what you're missing, uh, things that you need to add into your um, SOC to make it a good mature process. And it's really, really interesting stuff. I, I know that he's also uh, been doing it with some of the other great people who work on Azure Sentinel. Um, throughout the world. Um, and so definitely go check out his blog post. It's now also just because I did it myself, it's just been added to the official Azure Sentinel repo. So um, in the not too distant future, you should actually see the workbook in the Sentinel UI. But um, if you want to look at it before then, and I really recommend you do, um, have a look at the uh, link to the blog post that we have in the show notes and go and check it out because it's a very impressive piece of work and I'm really looking forward to talking to Rin about it in uh, in a few episodes time and yeah that's all of my news um, so over to you Michael. A whole bunch of things caught my interest over the last couple of weeks uh, the first is an announcement that came out of Microsoft Build this week which was Azure SQL Database Ledger uh, probably one of the best ways of thinking about this is imagine if you took a SQL database and add basically kind of the power of blockchain uh, to a SQL database. Uh, this allows you to have records in the database that you can show have not been changed. Or if you do make an update, you can show the complete record of the changes that happen in the database. This is really fantastic for people for, say, uh, regulatory requirements where they can show the chain of custody, um, show the lineage and you know, data changes within uh, within a database. The next one is there's new security features in Azure VPN Gateway. Uh, so, for example, you can now have multiple authentication types on a single gateway for open VPN tunnels. Uh, so you could have Azure AD, you could have certificate-based and radius-based authentication all on the same gateway. Uh, there's also border gateway protocol diagnostic support in there. Um, and we've also added VPN packet capture and uh, much better VPN connection management as well. So a lot of uh, good improvements that I know a lot of customers have been asking for. We've also added um, a new training class uh, to help people learn uh, using BICEP. Uh, so BICEP is just essentially the, the next generation of ARM templates. It's currently in, in preview, and we're taking a lot of uh, you know, a lot of suggestions, a lot of suggestions from from our customers. Do be aware that if you're going to use BICEP, that there is a really good chance that there will be breaking changes. But BICEP is essentially a more modern, more clean way of uh, building templates for deploying uh, infrastructure as code. We've also added some enhancements to Azure Backup. Uh, most notably, we now ha have support for managed identities. Uh, for managing permissions on keys that are used in recovery services. We've also now enabled encryption using customer managed keys during creation of the recovery services vault. Uh, that is in limited preview. If you're interested, there's a link in the show notes to the article that has the email account that you can email 
to opt in for using or you know, kicking the tires on this particular feature. And finally, there's now been added new Azure policy support to enforce encryption of backups using customer managed keys. We've also added some new security features to API management. Most notably, there's now the ability to validate a client certificate. Uh, so if you're using uh, TLS, which of course you should be, which will give you server authentication, and you opt in for, you can now opt in for using a client certificate for authentication as well. Uh, we've also added a update to the ciphers and protocols uh, page inside of the Azure portal that makes it much easier for managing um, cipher suites and protocol versions when using TLS. We will also warn you about using weak cipher suites or weak uh, protocol versions. The last one is Azure Key Vaults has now updated service updated its service level agreement. Uh, it was um, historically 99.9% uh, SLA. We've now bumped that up to, up to 99.99 um, SLA, uh, which is you know, fantastic for those people who are using uh, Azure Key Vaults in mission-critical environments that require um, a high level of SLA. So that's all I have for the news. Uh, Gladys, over to you. I wanted to talk about Simulan, which is an open source initiative to help security researchers deploy labs in where they can reproduce well-known techniques used in real attack scenarios in order to test and verify the effectiveness of services like Microsoft 365 Defender, Azure Defender, and Azure Sentinel. I haven't had uh, time to play with this yet, but I hear from coworkers that is an awesome uh, resource. In addition, I wanted to talk about Renewry release of Azure Sentinel sub-process framework. As part of uh, this podcast, we have talked about many of the threat protections and security operation cloud services that Microsoft has released and how they help streamline the protect, detect, and respond process. While these services provide many capabilities, I have seen uh, instances where organizations do not take full advantage of all the capabilities provided by these services because their organizational process or procedures uh, that they use uh, in different in share with different teams have not been updated. For example, I was helping an organization um, that had Microsoft E5 uh, threat protection suite, but then the tier one analysts were using some manual processes and other uh, tools to construct reports that they were going to provide to their leadership. When I asked them why they did that, they mentioned that their processes dictated the tools and report format that they needed to use. And although our services provided more detail and more information, um, the only way for them to reproduce um, the reports uh, they wanted in a fast manner was to use uh, those other uh, processes. So in essence, this SOC process framework uh, that RIN released provides organization with an initial uh, set of tasks that should be performed uh, to ensure that issues like these are avoided. Also, it helps the organization to know 
what what are the processes that they need to uh, be looking at, uh, maybe readiness. Hopefully take full advantage of the investment that they have made. There was a live presentation of the capabilities that uh, RIM provided, but if you missed it, you could either uh, search it in YouTube or I think the first week of July, uh, RIM will be with us. So be in the lookout for our podcast uh, during that week. Last, I wanted to mention about the IoT Hub Service API support for Azure Active Directory based access control. Basically, you now can grant uh, a specific service API access permission to users, service principles, and managed identities from your Azure AD tenant using Azure RBAC or role-based access control. Uh, to get started, just grant roles with the new permissions. In the links uh, that we are providing in our site, you will find uh, some information about these built-in roles, permission, and samples that you could use to implement this. Well, let's now turn our attention to our guest. We have Minnie Walia. She's a senior program manager in the Azure Data Explorer product group. She's here to talk to us, funnily enough, about Azure Data Explorer. Uh, Minnie, welcome to the podcast. Uh, would you like to spend a moment explain what you do at Microsoft? How long have you been with the company? Thanks, Michael. Thank you for having me on this podcast today. Really excited to be part of this series. Uh, my name is Minnie Walia, and I'm working as a program manager with Azure Data Explorer product group in Microsoft. Uh, it's been almost four years with Microsoft, and uh, in this role, I work very closely with large enterprise customers to build secure and scalable big data analytics solutions that are mainly focused on telemetry data. And I'm fortunate enough to uh, work with some of the best Microsoft engineers to continuously evolve, improve, and introduce new capabilities in our product. So my first question is probably the most obvious one. And I'll be honest, I kind of had the same question when I first started learning about this. So what is Azure Data Explorer? So Azure Data Explorer, uh, the short form, we call it as ADX. It's a fully managed big data analytics platform. Uh, it's, a, it's a distributed columnar store that is mainly purpose built for real time analytics over telemetry data. Now, let me clarify, when I say telemetry, it's a broader term that covers any type of logs, data coming from IoT devices, sensors, connected vehicles, or clickstream data, or it could be any type of events and uh, user activities. So obviously, this is a product that is designed to ingest uh, significant amounts of data. So what, what runs underneath this? It's, it's a Microsoft's proprietary database. Think of it like an append-only analytical database, uh, which is which is a bit different from the typical general-purpose databases or transactional databases we have, for example, SQL DB or Cosmos DB. So, in a sense, I would say it's not really meant for transactional scenarios or frequent update delete scenarios. It's built for analytical append-only workloads to build low latency, high throughput, near real-time analytics dashboards. So Minnie, when we were talking about this before we started recording the podcast, um, you we were talking about the scenarios for using ADX. And I know you said there's roughly 
maybe about three main scenarios you see at a high level. Could you talk uh, some more about those? Uh, sure. So there are three broader scenarios which are meant for uh, using Azure Data Explorer or as I said, ADX short form. The first one is around telemetry analytics and that is what it is purposely built for. And it's mainly focused on log analytics and time series analytics scenarios wherein you can do interactive analytics, ad hoc explorations of data and build near real time dashboards. The second broader scenario would be around advanced analytics. So uh, ADX powers data science and machine learning workloads with a lot of native capabilities for pattern recognitions, forecasting, anomaly detections, those sort of advanced scenarios. Uh, the third, third scenario is wherein a lot of customers and ISVs, they build single or multi-tenant SaaS solutions using ADX, similar to what Microsoft has done. So for example, Microsoft has built various SaaS solutions on top of ADX in different domains. Like we have got in the monitoring domain, we have Azure Monitor. Uh, in the security domain, we have got Azure Sentinel, Security Center, Advanced Threat Protection. Same way we have got different products in the um, IoT domain, Time Series Insights, PlayFab in the gaming domain, so on and so forth. So there are heaps of products which are built on top of it. So in nutshell, three, three key broader scenarios, telemetry analytics, advanced analytics, and uh, SaaS solutions, which you can build on top of it. Well, I'm going to dig into one of the things you mentioned there. So um, obviously, um, well, everybody who listens to this podcast knows I have to bring it in somehow. Um, but um, you mentioned log analytics. Could you explain there? And of course, log analytics sits underneath Azure Sentinel. Um, but what's the difference between ADX and log analytics? So log analytics is basically a SaaS solution that's built on top of ADX. ADX is a PaaS solution, the underlying platform on which LA, uh, log analytics is built. And log analytics has got out of the box capabilities, or I would say domain knowledge in the infrastructure monitoring space. And uh, as, AD, as ADX is an underlying platform, so it brings in value in terms of um, providing full flexibility and full control on data. When I say data, it could be the management of data, data schema, so the customers get full uh, access to this underlying platform and you can do powerful native analytics uh, uh, on top of this telemetry and time series data and it's a very cost effective uh, uh, platform. So to continue Sarah's thought, um, I mean these are obviously uh, two different products um, as your data explorer and uh, log analytics. Do they bring different value propositions to customers? Absolutely. So as I said, the key value proposition ADX brings in is in form of bringing in full flexibility, full control, and customers can go to the granular level of managing their data. For example, they can even manage till the row level um, security of their data. And uh, it's the best part of ADX is its price performance ratio. So 
it can be used as a hybrid solution. Customers mix and match. They can use log analytics as well as ADX, a hybrid solution to get the best of both the worlds. Think of it like uh, Microsoft has built SaaS solutions on top of ADX and we are providing full transparency and full control even on the underlying platform. So you can customize the way you need. So I think that's a really important point, actually. Uh, and I really want to make sure our listeners understand this. I mean, we have this tool, Log Analytics. We have tools like Sentinel and so on that feed into Log Analytics. Um, but ultimately, if you want absolute access to the low-level data um, for your own analysis work, then that's provided through Azure Data Explorer. Did I, did I get that right? Absolutely. Spot on, Michael. Uh, you got it absolutely right. I have another question, Minnie. Um, you mentioned that ADX is something that we use internally. Can you talk more about what, what Microsoft does with ADX? Um, sure. So as I said, ADX is used internally heavily, and that's how we, we started. So let me give you a bit of a background around the journey, uh, how we started. In 2015, Microsoft started using ADX internally heavily for collecting its telemetry data from a lot of services, including Power BI ecosystem, SQL servers, Windows, um, and there are many other systems that are sending its telemetry. Just to give you an idea, for example, think of it like every VM in every Azure data center globally is sending its telemetry to this platform, and we are collecting more than 40 petabytes of data every day onto this platform. And in total, it's uh, dealing with 2.5 plus exabytes of data. So that's the scale it works at. So you can imagine how Microsoft is using it internally for it handling its massive petabyte scale of telemetry. And after seeing significant success internally, we made it available to our external customers and the service went GA uh, for the external customers in 2019. Cool, it's uh, very impressive stuff. So if any of our listeners are thinking, oh my God, I want to use ADX, um, how would a customer go about um, starting to use ADX? Sure, so it's super easy. It's simply just like any other uh, service on Azure. You go to the portal, create your Azure Data Explorer cluster, and you can provision cluster either via portal or through the ARM templates, and that's it. And once the cluster is created, you create your databases, tables underneath, and uh, you can access the cluster via the tools we provide. The, there is an ADX web UI, um, which is very, easy and user-friendly tool you can use to uh, ingest the data, for example, with a single click, run your interactive analytics queries, build your dashboards, all those capabilities are baked into that uh, ADX web UI. We do have thick client as well, but uh, most of the customers, they prefer to start with the ADX web UI. So when would customers use log analytics and ADX together? Are there any scenarios that come to mind? A lot of customers who are building hybrid solutions using both these platforms. The key scenario is when customers are dealing with massive 
amounts of data. So for example, Microsoft is using ADX for handling petabyte scale of telemetry data. Same way when customers want a viable, scalable and cost effective solution, plus when some of the requirements re need customizations or full control on data, that's when they, they use ADX. So ADX becomes a centralized repository for all of their data and uh, um, they, they do um, take value um, which log analytics brings in in the monitoring space or Sentinel brings in in the security domain and uh, uh, they use ADX even for longer retention of data. So for example, um, they use Sentinel for 90 days of immediate um, uh, analysis and detection of their data and they route um, data past 90 days to ADX for longer term retention for audit or compliance or other reasons. Um, that, that's another scenario which they use it for. It's kind of a bit silly me asking the question because I've actually been working with a customer in this exact space just recently. Um, the, the conversation kind of went like this. Hey, it's going to cost us a lot of money to store all this log data. So what logs should we store? And unfortunately, when it comes to security information, you kind of want to secure, you know, store everything because you never know a few months down the track, an incident may happen. And if you didn't have the log, then you can't do the forensics. So they're basically ingesting absolutely everything. And from a, not just a, a, a cost perspective, but also from a minimal technical debt perspective, they're looking at using um, Azure Data Explorer exactly for this. They're just ingesting absolutely everything, putting it into Azure Data Explorer, and it's by far the cheapest way they found for storing just these incredible amounts of data. Absolutely, yes. And there are a lot of features which are available. So for example, we do support um, you know, cross-cluster querying. Uh, so customers can ingest data into Sentinel, uh, which uses log analytics workspace under the hood. And ADX is the underlying platform for both of these products. So they can build their federated queries. They can enrich the data by building the federated queries via these cross-cluster querying capabilities. Um, so they, they can, for example, create dashboards wherein they can bring in the data from both these platforms without moving data here and there. So, so yeah, there is a lot of flexibility, as I said. So is there anything, you've talked about a lot of cool tools and features, but is there anything that's coming up that's exciting in ADX land that you're able to tell us about? Yeah, so we, we keep evolving, improving, and keep adding a lot of uh, features in our product. Um, the, the hottest thing which is coming up is uh, the integration of ADX within Azure Synapse Analytics. So Azure Synapse Analytics is a single stop shop solution for the customers for their big data analytics solutions. And ADX integration within Synapse fills in the gaps for um, managing and for dealing with the log analytics and time series analytics scenarios within a single umbrella. And that's uh, that's what we are working on. It's in private preview at the moment. So if anyone is interested, they can uh, reach out to us. Um, the Another cool thing we are working on is contributing onto the open source solution, Telegraph. Telegraph is an open source solution for collecting metrics. 
and we are building ADX output plugin for Telegraph so customers can customize and ingest data using n number of input plugins that are available within Telegraph uh, space. So these are two cool things relevant to the monitoring space. So Mini, if you've got one thought to leave our listeners with, we ask this to every single guest we have on the podcast, what would it be? So Sarah, I would sum it up by sharing a quote from one of our customer. So when we made ADX available for our external customers after seeing significant success internally, the the customer after using ADX, they shared their experience by saying, uh, ADX is Microsoft's best kept secret. It's very mature and I would say it's a battle tested platform over petabyte scale, as I mentioned how Microsoft uses it for ingesting 40 plus petabytes of data every day. And uh, the, the last thing I would say is it's a it's super easy, very user friendly database and it comes up with tools and uh, for example, ADX Web UI I talked about and we support uh, Custo query language, which is again very, very simple and user friendly and SQL is also supported. I would encourage all the users to try it out and we are always keen to hear your feedback to improve our products. And with that, let's bring this episode to an end. Mini, thank you so much for joining us this week. Just for our listeners out there, Mini isn't feeling very well. So thank you so much, Mini, for coming on, coming along and joining us. To our listeners out there, I hope you found this podcast useful. I know I definitely did. I always learn something, and this is uh, certainly no exception. So to everyone out there, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license.